Christ. I am redeeming you, Sage. What is your Twitter handle? The Sage. At the Sage. D-A-S-A-G-E. That is your last lifeline I'm giving you because you messed it up the first time. Mmm, crow. Yummy crow. That, my friends, is the sound of Sage eating a heaping plate of crow after the Trailblazers just dismantled the Pelicans, 112-94. As we promised, we are live immediately after the Trailblazers went 1-0 to start the 2015-2016 season. I'm pretty sure we're on our way to an 82-0 season. I'm pretty sure we're, we're ready there. I mean, let's just throw in 16 straight playoff wins. Let's go 98-0. Let's make history. I mean, we've already set an NBA record for 15 straight home openers. Why not? CJ McCollum is completely unstoppable. Well, welcome everybody to the Holy Backboard Podcast. It's great to have you guys with us. First win of the season. Sage, what was your prediction again? Just I said clear. the Pelicans were going to win by 10 points. And how had that CJ Not McCollum, too well. CJ not McCollum too well. happened. But on DraftKings, I did win $18. So it's a win for you, because, right? Because of who? Because of who? CJ McCollum. Okay, exactly. CJ McCollum went off, especially in the first half. The end of the first quarter, it was absolutely sick. Just one-on-one, broke him down, hit that shot. The place went nuts. It was a mic drop for CJ McCollum. He has just a swagger about him that I love. He and Dame, they are going to do a lot of great things this year for Rip City. And actually, I was pretty impressed with his defense. His defense looked pretty good, and that was one of his weak points last year. He looked better. He definitely looked better, but I also want to give my man Sage some props. We've talked about it on this podcast, the finishing five. He noticed in the preseason, my man crush, Ed Davis, was finishing with the, with the starters. And, of course, he did tonight as well. 29 minutes, a plus 18, double-double, 12 points, 11 boards, 5 of 6 shooting. You called it Sage. What do you see about Ed Davis that Coach Stotts just loves about to have him as the finishing five? I think it's his help defense, his willingness to help on every pick and roll, every penetration. He just likes to play help defense and get those blocks. You know, he definitely gets those blocks. I think he cleans up the glass just a little bit more tenacious than Mason Plumley does. I thought in the first half, the, just the whole team as a whole was just hustling their butts off. And it was awesome to see. I think they know that if they're going to win this year, they're going to have to scrap. They're yeah. not that talented. But the scrappiness of this team, Al-Faruq Aminu, Mason Plumley, you know, it, it just, the, the team was scrappy. CJ, uh, I saw Dame getting after a little bit. Uh, that's how we're going to have to win games. But if we can keep doing that, I think we're going to surprise people. Are we going to make the playoffs? Still think probably not, but I think that we are going to win more more games than people are, are predicting. So, And I completely agree. One of my main keys was winning the hustle board, which the Trailblazers did tonight. 62-48, to 48 rebounds, blocks, steals. They completely out-hustled the Pelicans, who, to their credit, came off a tough loss in the Bay Area the night before. The schedule gods definitely handed the Blazers... A nice season opener, which we're thankful for. It's brutal, and the Pelicans even have to open the next night. Their home opener on Saturday Mm -hmm. against the Warriors, so I can't think of a tougher three-game stretch for an NBA team. But give the Blazers credit. They came out. They could have easily been hung over from that 35-point lead that they blew against the Clippers, but they kind of flipped the script, and they seemed angry that they blew that lead. They wanted to prove something. Yeah, mm. They had me a little scared there at the end of this game. It seemed like they were letting that lead slip away. Uh, we got to get better about that, or we're, we're going to lose games that we should win. Uh, I think that is going to happen. We are a young team. That's something that a veteran... One for the show already. Young team reference. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have an over-under on that. I think 15's a good over-under. Oh, no. We'll probably go over that. That's uh, easily the over. But speaking of win total, uh, Dustin, what do you think? Win total for the 
Blazers this year. I was thinking back to the podcast originally, and I said 35. It's going to be close to that. So I just threw a number, 36. I actually went through their schedule today, and I came up with 37. And I, I was being pretty tough on the team in terms of the home games. I didn't give us many road wins. I think 37, 37 and 45 record is what the Trailblazers will be with. Of course, it depends on health. Knock on wood. But... As we saw tonight, they're going to win games that they maybe shouldn't, and they're going to lose games that they maybe shouldn't. They're a jump-shooting team, but with McCollum and Lillard and the surrounding cast that they have trying to prove themselves, I think they're a better team than a lot of experts, quote-unquote, are giving them credit for. And after watching tonight, I'm, I'm amped. I feel, like, I feel like this team really wants to win. It's one game. You can always get read way too much into one game. But... I felt like the team was playing well as a whole. Like, it was playing as a team. There was guys just stepping up. I felt like some guys, like, I felt like Myers Leonard's going to hit more of those shots that he missed. I feel like Dame's going to hit more of those shots. But I feel like 36 is maybe is a little optimistic. I'm still going 32, 33. You know, I, I feel like sometimes you get to the, the stretch of the season for in the hunt for a playoff spot. I think maybe that win total can go up. I think chances are more likely that by that point, you know, the West is just so deep, so difficult that other teams are going to separate themselves out, even if we're in the getting close to 30 wins we're just not going to be in the playoff hunt and that gets really hard to just that that just grinds on a team when you're not really playing for the playoffs anymore so i think that win total is probably going to go down a little bit towards the end of the season sage outside opinion what do you think uh, am i an outside opinion i don't know you're I'm getting mad blazer fans and i thank all of you for following me on twitter i feel like tonight you are oh I, I, I am redeeming you sage what is your twitter handle the sage at the sage d-a-s-a-g that is your last lifeline I'm giving you because you messed up the first time so there you go follow him folks he's a great follow he's a diehard Pelican fan but we're trying to convert him he to as much he it's does love he, he is in Rip City shorts right now so let's give him some props you know we gave him a, a good old fashioned ribbing on the way to the game during the game he took it like a champ hopefully <laughs> in the same outcome in December when he comes up to watch the Pelicans Blazers game but Sage let's what say you what's the one total so you said 32 37. I'm going to go 34. I'm going to be in the middle. Okay. But it's all about the health, and I think it's got to be about passing. I think passing is such an important thing. This game tonight, Damian Lillard bent the defense. And when I say bend the defense, I mean they made them react. He made the Pelicans react to him every time. So if you have the defense running to stop you, then you pass it, and then another pass, I think it's a huge thing for the Blazers to keep passing, keep being unselfish. And I saw even some plays where they passed it one too many times. You know, you're completely right, and Dane totally bent the defense. He had 11 assists. Mm -hmm. You know, he had four turnovers, but I'll live with 11 to 4 assist-to-turnover ratio every single night. He only took a couple shots where I kind of cringed. He still has a a tendency to pull up a little too quick on the shot clock. And that's where we see his three-point percentage drop down a bit. You but know, two years ago, he was hitting that, like, every time. And, and you know, you'd always be – he's one of those players, you're like, oh, it's a terrible shot. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's going in. Towards the end of last year, those shots weren't falling for him. Uh, kind of started out this game. I'm hoping he turns that around. But four turnovers as a number. But he made a couple passes. That one uh, fast break pass where he just kind of, like, lobbed it up into the middle of the defenders. I mean, he did not have to do that. I want to see him work on that. But that's the kind of player that he is. He pushes the ball. Sometimes I think there's a little bit of lapse, but he's a great player. He is the instigator of our offense, and he takes so much pressure uh, from the defense. He takes pressure off other players and, you know, allows C.J. McCollum to have open shots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, C.J. created a lot for himself, but he also had some good looks because Dame drew the 
defense in. The good thing about that play, though, I I remember that the Pelicans then turned it over and gave the ball right <laughs> Yeah, back. It, it was definitely... <laughs> it was know, an Ish Smith behind the It was the an Ish Smith. He threw a bad pass. It was kind of like one bad pass deserves another. Yep. But one thing I want to talk about is just the little things. In the preseason, Lillard and McCollum did not rebound the basketball well. Damian had five boards. CJ had six. Aminu, who was just... He does the little things that really helps this team. He had eight boards, so I thought the team as a whole did a great job of crashing the glass, especially when you have a beast on the boards like Anthony Davis. You've got to take control of the boards. They did that. That really set the tone. New Orleans did not have a chance mm. to get second chance points with I this saw, team. I saw the Blazers a lot of times swarming to the ball, swarming to the rebound, and that's, and that's mm. important. Uh, I really was impressed with their rebounding. I felt like I don't want Aminu dribbling the there were a few a few times he turned it over that was just just like please don't dribble the ball but that said he loves to do it though. he he uh he's a hustle player and he got a lot of rebounds he got that big block um he was he was fun to watch i felt like he played his role well he's mm-hmm. going to help this team a lot because he's just tough he's gritty and he goes after the hustle plays and i think that players like that set the tone him ed davis alan crab too uh to a certain extent also did that those players set the tone of hustle and just being aggressive and going after those loose balls you know i i completely agree again aminu i'll take nine points eight rebounds on three of seven shooting Every single night from Alfred Gumino as our starting I small actually forwards. expect more rebounds, to be honest. You know, even better. I said it best NBA skill is rebounding. It's not defense. That's the sugar on top. But he is an elite defensive rebounder. You know, when he fills up the stat sheet, he had a steal. He had a couple, just two. He had two blocks that had the crowd just mm. in awe. It got him fired up. I think it set the tone momentum defensively. Momentum changers. Exactly. They're momentum changers. But another player I want to talk about, and it, it continues to happen, and I think it will happen throughout the rest of the regular season, is Mason Plumley. I watched him out there, and I was like, you know, this dude's kind of underwhelming. You go back, you look at his, his stat sheet. He only takes four shots, but again, he makes three of them. So we go seven points, six rebounds, six assists in 19 minutes. That's what you expect from Robin Lopez, essentially who we got to replace him. But I mean, more athletic. More athletic. I think he still has more... More in the tank in terms of potential, but he's not going to be a guy that just wows you with your eyes. You kind of have to go back to the film, see the little things that he does, and I think he's you know he's a nice piece. I think I think Robin Lopez is a very good comparison because him too, just a solid big man, uh, does the little things well, doesn't overwhelm you, doesn't do having these emphatic blocks, and and he's not the defensive shutdown guy, but he's solid. And I think I thought he did a good job against Anthony Davis. I mean, in the whole first half, Anthony Davis. He was not playing well. Yeah. You know, I, Anthony, I, com- I complained about how yeah. he was not hustling. And I, honestly, I think I heard or saw Mason's mouth move a lot on defense, which is important. you got to direct the defense. And I think that initiates the defense. So I think that's what we have to look for is how good, of a, uh, how good he is on the defensive end instead of the numbers, which offense is fun, but defense wins championships, right? Exactly. And I was sitting next to, to Sage during the game. And it took three and a half minutes before Anthony Davis took his first shot. Yeah. I don't know what Alvin Gentry's game plan was, but it shouldn't have been that. What? He, how many shots did he take? He t- eventually ended up with 17, making 10 of them. Yeah. But he really did not get into a groove until, until the second, second half, half when he was hitting that three. And as a fan of the opposing team against AD, I will live with him shooting the three. He knocked it down, but if he's going to play... 25 feet away from the basket. That's where I want you. Yeah. Well, it's spacing, though. And I don't which think, is... 
It's spacing, but who else is going to? Who else is a threat to the Trailblazers? Anthony Davis is well, the Pelicans. Tyreek, but he's out. Exactly which, of which the healthy is, bodies. Yeah. So yeah. if you're Terry Stotts, you said Anthony. You know you're you're a pretty good three point shooter, but you take it. There are going to be nights where he probably goes five of seven from three because he's a freak. But that's what you have to live with when you're defending a freak. And I don't think at any point it really didn't seem that Anthony Davis was really the focal point of the offense. Mm, they weren't was running Ryan. plays for him. They weren't. It just seemed like he was just another player out on the floor. And I, I think he has so much more ability. So it'll be interesting to see how you know Alvin Gentry. This is a second game. I'm sure he's going to look at the tape and hopefully he's going to recognize it worth a coach worth his salt. He's going to recognize that Anthony Davis needs to have the ball in his hands. I think as a fan of the NBA, and all three of us are. We have to be very happy for Ryan Anderson because he looked fantastic on the offensive end. And from all the stuff that he went through with his girlfriend committing suicide to having a back injury where he broke two vertebrae in his neck to tearing his knee up, I think it's fantastic that he's playing well. You know, he had 21 points, 9 rebounds. I think he got he cooled off quite a bit oh, yeah. in the second half. He, he, but I think you put more focus on yeah, stopping he, Ryan Anderson. Overall, he shot 9 of 20. I was yelling in the stands at Myers, you got to get your hands up. Mm-hmm. As soon as Rhino came in, Myers didn't really... He mm-hmm. wasn't aware of it, and I, I was just frustrated. Know because, the personnel. Exactly. You cannot let a spot-up shooter like that go off because mm-hmm. he has such a pure stroke. But I really loved when Vonley came in. Mm. Vonley stuck to him. He mm. was going to give up anything else, which is fine with me. He knew he was defending a hot shooter, and he played him tough. And I think the message finally got through to the Trailblazers that this kid can shoot. You cannot let him go off. Like He is a beast from three, regardless of position. But overall, I think the Trailblazers, we're going to see quite a few games like this where they start off hot. It's going to be, can they finish? And to be perfectly honest, I was really worried once the Pelicans got that down to 11. Mm. We saw the game against the Clippers. We know what can happen with this team with yeah. no interior presence. Yeah, when they were when they had it down to 14 and there were seven minutes left, I was thinking, that's only two points a minute. If they play, we might be in trouble. You know, CJ hit some huge shots. A lot of props to him. You know, Harkless had a couple big threes Harkless as well. Is, they came up when, when it was needed, and I think I think Dame struggled, struggled a little bit, but he started, I, I feel like after he took a few kind of one-on-one bad shots, he started to distribute again. Um, you know, CJ had the hot hand tonight, and um, I'm hoping that Damian can relinquish that on certain nights. To me, there were certain times when it felt like, well, CJ McCollum hit a big shot. Now I need to hit a big shot. Mm-hmm. Your um, turn, my turn type yeah, of thing. Yeah, and like he was trying to prove something. I don't know. Maybe not. That's probably reading too much into it on one night. But if, if CJ continues to play like – I mean, he, he finished last year like this, and he's starting off this year, you know, the preseason, and now this first game, he's showing that he can be consistent. He can be a consistent scorer. So Dan's going to have to relinquish some of that spotlight to him. So stat god. I'm wondering, when is the first time that the Blazers play a good defense? Oh, goodness. I mean, it's not going to happen this week, I no, tell you, because they no, have the no. Suns on back-to-back nights and, and then the Timberwolves. Yeah. So if they really want to make a push early on, they got yeah, to eat, eat right now. But I want to see what a good defense does. They do that third option on offense because it was Dame penetrating, then he kicked it out, and then they passed it again. And that's when the defense for the Pelicans broke down. Yeah. So I want to see like what a good like a top yeah. five defense so November, will do. So November 5th, we take on the Grizzlies. That's, uh, that, that's going to be interesting. But we've season. seen what CJ and Myers and Damian can do oh, to yeah, that team. But, there's, uh, there's no more dumping it into Lamarcus and standing around. Those days are gone. But it's the, the defensive principles that I want to see, because... I liked it, Darren Ehrman as a defensive coordinator for the Pelicans, but it's his second game. 
So I want to see what an established defense will do when they do that third option on offense. Well, and it's also tough for the Pelicans, like we said. You know, the Warriors, Steph can go one-on-three and throw up ridiculous mm. and still just hit nothing but net. C.J. McCollum and Dame, they're not on Steph's level, but they are still elite, assassins, man. elite yeah. assassins and who can make defenses just look silly. Yeah. They made Memphis look silly yeah. in the grindhouse, one yeah. of the best defensive teams. Yeah. And, so, tonight, and I would argue that tonight, I mean, C.J. McCollum, he's not on the same level as Steph Curry, but... If he could play like this every single night, he would be up there. I don't think that's going to happen. That, I mean, that's that's tough to yeah, be that. Oh, yeah, good. But that's why Steph Curry is Steph Curry because exactly. he does Absolutely. it on a nightly basis. Absolutely. But I felt like CJ was hitting those kinds of shots where he's just you know doing the step back dribble and you know guy right in his face and just bury it. And if he can do some of that throughout the season, uh, he is going to be a legitimate second fiddle. Taking a look at the rest of the wait, league. wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. I, I, say I got one more. I got one more thing first. <laughs> okay. On the podcast previously. I was talking about CJ taking over the game against the Kings and the Jazz, and I was telling my man Sage, it was kind of like a vintage Brandon Roy when, with the dribble, the stop on a dime, jump shot in the mid-range. Matt, I know you're a huge B-Roy fan. Did you see some of those flashbacks? Yeah, I mean, B-Roy... Just the way he can get buckets in just a, a flurry. I can, mm-hmm. see, I can see that. I think that Brandon Roy had the ability to finish around the rim that CJ's shown a, a decent knack for, but he, you know, B-Roy... I feel like you know B-Roy and Dame have had the same game around the rim where you know just throw up a ridiculous reverse land and it would just go in. But in the shooting aspect, I feel like like you look at tonight and CJ had a lot of that same pull up, just nail it. And towards the end of the game, just hitting those big shots. I that's one of the reasons I love Brandon Roy is because he was so clutch. You know, and, and Dame has shown that. And, you know, if you have another guy, I mean, that's two options that you now have to account for at the end of a game if it's close. So maybe not as many times this year, but going forward, I really like our chances having these two guys available to shoot the ball. You know, Dame's double covered and throw it to CJ and he'll hit the shot. So who's number 11 on the New Orleans Pelicans? What's his name? Drew Holiday. There you go, man. There you go. At the not, game, not Jru, not Jru Holiday, <laughs> not Jru the Damager. Shout out to all my hip hop fans for knowing that one. All right, Matt, what else you got for us? All right, well, taking a look at the the rest of the NBA, let's just go through a couple of predictions that we have. Who do you guys see as being the league MVP? Do you think Steph Curry repeats? You no, know, I was gonna say um, no, but then just watching him on open night, the kid is ridiculous. As I've said before on this podcast, I'm very nostalgic, and I always hold those players Mm. on a higher pedestal than the current players. Steph Curry might be the greatest shooter I've ever seen. The way he moves, stops on a dime, the the quickest release, I will Mm. say, the quickest release I've ever seen. So he is a menace. I think he's going to be in the top three, but he's not my pick. I think it's so hard to repeat as an MVP. And I thought about this pick over and over again. I don't think it's LeBron. I think the back's going to kind of... (laughs) <laughs> I think the back's going to kind of uh, play play against him. He's not going to play heavy minutes until the postseason. I think Russell and KD will split votes. My guy is the guy who finished second last. James Harden, and I know I'm taking Sage's pick right now. I think he wants it more than anybody else. It's like the All-Star game. Mm. You know the guy immediately who wants the MVP for, this, for, the, for that game. It's going to be James Harden throughout the season. I know they took an L tonight, which makes my heart smile because I hate the Houston Rockets. But James Harden's going to get going. He gets to the free throw line like none other. He just wants the MVP. I think that's his goal more than championship. That's my pick. What about you, Sage? Oh, yeah, it's James Harden. It's but why? What, what's your reasoning for James Harden? Because he's such a big part of that offensive system. I mean, without him, I think they would be a lottery team. I completely so, agree. Him, him running that team, he is basically the point guard, even though Ty Lawson and Patrick Beverly 
or the point guard in the, the program, it's Harden. So if you have the ball that much and you have the green light as green as him, he's going to put up numbers. And I think the NBA is slow. So I think it's going to be his turn this year. Man, you know, with Steph Curry last year and James Harden, uh, they just, to me, it hurts my heart a little bit because they don't play defense, but they are both uh, you know, absolutely phenomenal offensive talents. I am actually, uh, I'm not a huge fan, fan of LeBron overall, but I am going to give it to him this year. Mm. I think that, you know, despite the injury, I think he's going to have a slower start to the season, but he has shown that uh, every time he's gotten to the finals and lost, at least when he was in Miami, you know, he's one of those guys, he'll come back stronger the next year. Uh, I think he wants it. I think he feels like, you know, this is his legacy, what he does in Cleveland. You know, what, what he did in Miami, it was a, a trio of stars. Uh, you know, he was definitely the, the, the main guy, and there's no doubt about that. But he had Dwayne Wayne and uh, uh, Chris Bosh. Ray Allen, too. And Ray Allen. And he had, and so I, I think he wants, I think like every player, like Kobe, they want to be seen as at least on the same level as Michael Jordan. And that's obviously the golden standard. And I think that that, I think he's going to be driven this year. I really think you're going to see a more aggressive LeBron James. Uh, I think he's going to have, you know, his team back around him. I think that I'm going to give it to him. You guys may be right. It may go to James Harden, but I like LeBron James coming back really strong this year. Well, I can see that too, just because he probably has a little bit of chip on his shoulder. Nobody was talking about him as MVP last year. It was Steph Curry or James Harden. But those this two or had that. such career, like, amazing but, years. But, you're, yeah. but if you're LeBron James, he's still the greatest player in the world. On this planet, he's still the greatest player. And you're not even being mentioned for MVP. Mm-hmm. That's got to like, spark a fire. Like MJ, he found a way to get motivated. So I, you know, I think it's maybe one of the most he, wide open races in recent history. Is so, he in your top three? It's gonna see to me. He's not because I think the back's gonna hold him out. Exactly, that's what I was. Saying. I just think his minutes are gonna be down until the stretch run when it's maybe too late. But also, depth, also, why why would you play him so much? I think you have to give it to a guy in the West who goes to grind. Okay, well, we haven't talked about Kevin Durant. You guys think that he's gonna have a comeback year? Or you think he's gonna be able to bounce back? I no. don't like Billy Donovan's system. I've never liked it when he was at Florida. So I don't think he's gonna thrive in it. And he has Monty Williams who is a very slow player, so I think they'll be going to be one of the slower-paced teams, so I don't think that's going to work for him for MVP, but I think he's still very good. I still think he's probably the top two players in the NBA. I think he's got a lot to prove after having that foot injury last year. I honestly think this is Oklahoma City's last chance. If they make a deep run, and I'm talking like finals run, he'll probably resign. If they do not make it to the finals, I think he's going to bolt because... Probably going to come to Portland. You know, obviously, obviously, I mean, we have all the money. I mean, we've got... should have come here in the first place. We've got cuisine. We've got great shopping, tax-free shopping. Come on, KD. We we made it wrong in 07. Let's make it right in the summer of 2016. Come on, Kevin Durant. I know you're listening. He's such an awesome guy, too. Like he's a he's a he's a very likable player. He's super likable. He's down to he seems fairly down to earth. Okay, defensive player of the year. What do you guys think? Who do you I think mean, gonna take again, there is quite a few. You could go Anthony Davis. You could go Draymond Green, and you're not wrong. I'm going to go with the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert, because of what I saw last year. I think he is not even t- at the tip of the iceberg. I think he's a couple years away from even scratching the surface. He is just so raw. But that wingspan is ridiculous. He, I watched him against LaMarcus Aldridge, who has almost an unblockable shot, but he blocked it nearly every time. He completely changes what the offense is doing by just being on the floor, and to me, that is the epitome of a defensive player of the year. I think with the NBA awards, they're always a year late, so I don't think it'll be this year. I think it'll be next. So I'm going Draymond Green. You know, to be fair, Draymond played pretty good defense <laughs> oh, on, Anthony, on yeah. Anthony Davis. Yeah. He, he is a good defender. Um, 
And if the Warriors have another great year, I mean, he's already going to be in the top, oh, top yeah. discussion. But yeah, I was going to say Rudy Gobert too. I he's a Dustin's just straight taking our picks, uh, right? I'm sorry, guys. I shouldn't let him go first. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I'll go last next time. <laughs> but he uh, he does his wingspan. It's just like it. It really is simply his wingspan is freakish. And and he's got good timing too. I mean, and athleticism you know, for days. And athleticism. He looked he looked like a great defensive player. I think he's going to get a lot more recognition this year. And so I think he has a good shot at defensive player of the year. Okay, what about the sixth man, Sage? What do you think? Sixth man of the year. Who's coming off the bench to make the biggest impact? I'm going to say Joakim Noah. Ooh, that's a good pick. Thank you. Because he hasn't came off the bench in his career so far. I mean, this is the first. Yeah, he's on the bench because of uh, Nikola Mirotic. There you go. You know, I was going to say the guy on your two K team always. Yeah, two (laughs) K. Shout out to two K. But he's also you know battling injuries, and I think you know Fred Hoiberg needs to manage those minutes. Mm -hmm. But it's the Bulls who beat the Cavs on opening night are challenging for that number one seed, and Joe Kim Noah is a huge part of that. And the voters will see them on TV a lot. Exactly, he's on national broadcast. To me, this is the toughest award to predict. You don't know. Yeah. Who's going to qualify? Who's going to come out of nowhere? Uh, this is just a crazy pick, so I'm going to kind of throw out a name. Patty Mills. Mm-hmm. I think the Spurs are going to have a great year. To me, he is probably one of the best backup point guards in the game. Just score in bunches. If the Spurs are a top two seed, I think it's going to be because of a guy like Patty Mills, especially because Tony Parker is not going to play very much in the regular season. And he doesn't bend the defense the way he used to. So exactly, he's getting older, you know, and we saw how Patty played so well in that 2014 playoffs. He's my pick. It's kind of out of left field. And you got a soft spot for him. Yeah, he okay. was a great trailblazer. I, I was me and Matt. You know, we were in the stands just like begging Nate McMillan to play this guy. He wouldn't. So you know, big ups to Patty for for getting his run in Popovich's system. Yeah, after that one year that he had, a, he had a down year. Didn't play much in Popovich's system. I thought, well, maybe he's out of the league. And then he's come on strong the last couple of years as a, as a key ingredient to San, what San Antonio does. And uh, his offense has been incredible. You know, it's a tough pick. I mean, I've seen Isaiah Thomas, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He's going to put up numbers. I've seen Corey Joseph. I mean, I've I do s- not like his contract, by the way. You know, it's insane. You know, we can give you a mulligan on that, Matt. I, like I said, this is the toughest one, but I want to th- let's transition. Let's move on. Coach of the year, who you got? I got to think of a team that's going to be surprising. Because it is a surprising award. Yeah. It never yeah. goes to the, the, pop of it. to the actual coach of the yeah. year. If I, if my memory serves me correct, Jerry Sloan has never won a coach of the year. Nope. To me, that's blasphemy. So just like the sixth man of the year, it's who came onto the scene and who created lemonade out of lemons. I mean, that's really what coach of the year comes down to. Yeah. I actually think that it's just going to go to the front runner this year and go to Popovich. Um, I think the Spurs are going to have. Do you think it's kind of like a lifetime achievement award? Too? Almost, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have you know right up there as one of the best records in the West. As much as we're you know hating on the Marcus, he didn't have a great game tonight. Uh, I think that I you just keep thinking Popovich always finds a way to make it work. Uh, I think they're just going to end up with the best record. And I think it's almost by default going to go to him. All right, back to you, Sage Scott Skiles. I think he gets the best out of his players, and I think Orlando is going to be surprisingly good. My pick, and I, I'm not in love with it. I've got Billy Donovan, actually. Ooh. I think Oklahoma. I don't want to give my spoiler for who I think is coming out of the West, but I think Oklahoma City is going to surprise. I feel like a, you just did, though. A, I probably did. <laughs> Oklahoma City is going to surprise a lot of people. I don't think Scotty Brooks was really that good of a coach. I, I don't think, either. I think he held them back a lot. I think Oklahoma City is going to be a dominant team this year, and if they are, I mean. Yes, they were without Kevin Durant last year. But if they go from out of the playoffs to maybe first or second seed, how do you not give him the coach of the year in the West? Yeah. 
And a lot of that will be, you know, obviously, because Kevin Durant comes back. Um, but do you like his system? That's the thing. Did you like it in Florida ever? I mean, they won back-to-back national champions. But they national had championships. Some, they had the best players. If the Ducks win back-to-back yeah. national championships, I whatever system you want to play, okay. let's go. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking college, college basketball. You're talking... 60, uh, 64 teams in the yep. tournament, and uh, you know that's that's a lot of teams to have to beat. Plus, you're 120 in the whole. And they had the target on their back that second year, so yeah. you got to give him props. Yeah, uh, rookie of the year. Anybody think it's not going to Carl Anthony Towns? Anybody have? Another? I mean, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I think your pick, Matt. Uh, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, high five to Sage. This was actually one of the toughest oh, don't picks. Steal mine again. Because I I could I thought it could have been Jalil Okafor because the Sixers are starting him. He's going to get a lot of touches. I thought it could have been Stanley Johnson because he looked so amazing in the preseason, but he's not starting. So I kind of looked who's starting, who's doing well. Emmanuel Mudiay. Sage, great minds think alike. I wanted to... Yes, I think Emmanuel Emmanuel Mudiay. Because he's going to have the ball in his hands. He has the ball in his hands. I mean, he already led the the Nuggets to a a great (laughs) victory on the road against the Rockets. He didn't have 11 turnovers, but he had a double-double. To go along with those eleven turnovers, but I mean, it, the ball when in it, your hands, when man. It, exactly. When it comes to rookies, it's whoever gets the most time. I will say, however, a, a kind of a sleeper pick if you can have it. Mario Hazonia. We watched that first half of the Magic game. The guy's not afraid to shoot, and he's got a pure stroke. Oh yeah, but it, I think it's Emmanuel because he has the ball in his hands. He's now the face of the franchise, and I think the team's built around him perfectly. And I really like the coach. That's Mike Malone's gonna. Uh, is is a top defensive coach and Emmanuel plays amazing defense. All right, so we've got one award left to hand out. Most Whoa. improved player. Oh. Who do you guys got? I'm gonna have to say after watching tonight. I think I might even say this anyway. I think it's all. Uh, it's actually I think a pretty uh, common pick around the league. But CJ McCollum, he you know he's just gonna be playing a much bigger role. Um, you know he's been been consistent over a span of about 20 games now, give or take. And filling it up, and tonight was any kind of indication. You know, again, I think you know if we expect him to do this the rest of the season, that's really high expectations. I think he will go through a slump at some point. It's just a young guy being thrust into the situation, but he has accepted that so far. I think he's my pick for most improved player. Who won it last year? Well, Jimmy Butler won it last oh, okay. year. So who are you going with this year? That was going to be my pick, but I guess CJ McCollum. You know, I guess we're all biased, but yeah. when you when voters look at most improved player, they're looking at stats from 2015 versus 2016. We roll it back a year. He averaged 6.8 points, one assist, 1.5 rebounds per game. He's going to get so much more playing time. I mean, we saw tonight 37 points. Mm-hmm. He is just going to get the ball in bunch. He took 22 shots, six rebounds. He's my pick. Obviously, I'm biased. I get to see him play 82 times a year. I think. If C.J. McCollum doesn't win it for whatever reason, a sleeper pick to me is Andre Drummond. I think the Pistons are playing phenomenal early on. And as long as one of those damn point guards will feed him the ball. It's also a contract year for him. He's a 20-20 threat every single night. He is just a man-child. For his sake, I hope he gets out of Detroit because I think that's a dumpster fire. But he is my non-biased pick. So C.J. bias, Andre Drummond non-biased. I pray that CJ wins it, though. I think a guy we talked about for defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, I think he could be a... I like that one. Okay, so, all right, we got our picks down. It's time to make our conference predictions. I'm assuming we all have the Cavs coming out of the East. Is that correct? But if it doesn't happen, it's the Wizards. 
Okay, so I think let's just go Cavs. Yeah. You know, let's not waste our breath on the East. It's the weakest conference. We all know that. So who do we have coming out of the West? Let's hear you, Matt. Obviously, a lot of this depends on the health of uh, Kevin Durant. Are you stealing my pick right Are now, Are you Matt? stealing my pick right now? Are we all going OKC? Yes. <laughs> um, no, no, if you're, no. Are you going OKC, Matt? I don't know. I... I, I've been debating. You know what? Just for just for argument's sake, I'll say San Antonio. I feel like San Antonio is the popular pick, and then I'm like, oh. see, I feel like Golden State's the popular pick. Is it? I don't know. I feel like San Antonio with the with the talent they added with Lamarcus Aldridge, assuming that he gets integrated. Which again, I again, I give a lot of props to Popovich. I think that he will do that. You uh, know, if we're talking about Lamarcus Aldridge, let me throw this out there real quick. Eleven <laughs> points on four of twelve shooting and five rebounds. That is a vintage Lamarcus Aldridge stat line. So enjoy him, San Antonio. I'm, I'm call me salty. I've never oh been the biggest God, Lamarcus the Aldridge fan right now, bro. I've never been the biggest LA fan. So you know, good riddance. Have fun in Texas, bro. Rip City doesn't need you. So you're going Spurs just for argument's sake, Matt. Yeah. Sage, you got uh, Thunder. Thunder Rockets, and it's gonna go Game Seven. So I'm gonna, but I'm gonna go OKC, even though I don't like their. You know, <laughs> th- to be honest, there could be five teams that could come out. We, yes, we've the, got the five. We've got Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Houston, and the Clippers. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the Clippers. Yeah, I am too. I, but I can't get that Chris Paul never been to the conference finals stat out of my mind. Yeah, you never did better than New Orleans. Yeah, see, I see the salt's good, Sage. <laughs> I have got the Thunder as well. I've kind of been on their wagon this whole podcast since we started in the summer. It makes me disgusted with myself because I can't believe that Clay Bennett moved that team from Seattle to Oklahoma City. But I just think Russell and KD, you got Ibaka, and they finally have a center. No mm. offense to your Pelicans, but Kendrick Perkins is the worst. Thank God. They now have, if they want to go defense, Steven Adams. If they want to go offense, they've got Ennis Cantor. I just think they're going to be too much to handle on a seven-game series. So I've got Cavs Thunder. So now we've got our conference title picks. Matt, who is your NBA champion for the 2016 season? I am going to go with Cleveland. I think that with yeah. uh, with LeBron, I think a healthy Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, but LeBron, I think he's going to be motivated. I think he's going to want to win that so badly. Um, I feel like they've upgraded in talent. I feel like this could be Cleveland's year to have something good happen in Cleveland, which never happens. Shout out to Tristan Thompson's agent, bro. Oh wow, talk about negotiation. I mean, but if you're if you're the GM of the of the Cavaliers, oh, you're doling out money to everybody. Why stop at Tristan Thompson? So I think we all are. You know, in, Cleveland. in unison, Cleveland, and I think it's too. I think LeBron just wants to do it for the city of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, I tried to look up the stat right now. I couldn't even find it. It's been. I just found it. 60, 1964 since that city has won a championship in any of the four sports. That I mean, as a kid growing up in Akron, I know he wasn't a fan of the Indians or a fan of the Cavaliers growing up, but he's got the weight of that state, that region on his back. We saw how close they came without Love and Irving last year. I think he's going to find a way. That team is just too deep and too talented. So if all things are equal, I've got the Cavaliers as well. My question is why there's the top five in uh, the West. Why aren't the Clippers going to win? Is it because of the no second ball handler? I just, it's one of those seeing is believing. Mm. I can't believe it until I see it. I have no faith in a Doc Rivers 
coach team in the West. In the East, he was great with KG, Ray Allen, and Pierce. Three Hall of Famers. Exactly, but they do not have a backup point guard. Austin Rivers is trash. Trash. And who is their go-to player? I mean, Chris Paul is probably their go-to player. He's not selfish enough. That's my thing with Chris Paul. That's probably true, yeah. When he dominates, he scores. That's when... He scares me as a Trailblazer fan mm. when, we're, when we're playing. Don't here. ever, if you're an opposing team, and I know every person in the world is listening, if you're an opposing team, don't piss Chris Paul off. Because when you piss him off, he plays ten times harder just to screw you over. So I think the second ball handler is the reason. The Clippers won't do it. Why, why not the Rockets? The Rockets, again, I think it's... Dwight Howard's kind of a knucklehead, man. Is he, it the personality of the squad? It's exactly the person. I don't think they have that dog in them, like that scrap. I think Portland outscrapped them in 2014 when we took them in six. Yeah. I think we flat out wanted it more. I don't think Dwight Howard is a winner. I feel like you watch Patrick Beverly, and, if, and when I watched that series when Portland beat him, I felt like Patrick Beverly was the only player on their team that was truly playing tough defense. I mean, James Harden's defense is an absolute joke. It, I, that's why I, you know, I said I don't want it. I don't want him to win the MVP. You know, Steph Curry. I think he's just small. He doesn't. He's not a good defender by any but means. Not but he awful. does. He seems to make some effort. Yeah. James Harden. His defense makes me sick to my stomach. I like good defenders. I loved Gary Payton. I like. I like Patrick Beverly. I like watching him play because he is such a tenacious defender. James Harden wants to make me vomit. I really wish that Beverly didn't sign that contract so they could trade him to like an Eastern Conference. Like Patrick Beverly on the Knicks, I think would be a really good. Yeah. That's bringing the Knicks back to the nineties, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. When they're back winning, winning championships, not winning championship, but getting getting there. Yeah, and Holiday, I feel like Holiday is a pretty good defender too. Oh, my, no? my boo, Drew. Yeah, yeah. he's a great. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah, the only okay. player, like you said with uh, Patrick. Yeah, he's all, the only dude playing defense. And, and also, AD, like AD's in the discussion for Defense Player of the Year. How are he the, did not hustle down. How are the Rockets going to defend elite power forwards in the West? We yeah. saw what happened in 2014. There's no more Ashik to defend a guy like Aldridge or Blake Griffin mm. or Anthony Davis. Mm. Dwight Howard can't do that 48 minutes a game. Dwight Howard's going to pick up five fouls in the third. Mm. I also think they shoot too many threes. I'm not a fan of Kevin McHale. I think they're a scary team. Nobody's going to want to play him. But I really think, uh, as we said, there's five teams. I think they're probably on the cusp of being dropped off. If that the Blazers list. somehow made the playoffs, is that the team you would like to see? Oh, for sure. Okay. I, I Same want, for me. I love rivalries in the NBA. I think they've dropped off a bit, and they are only like rebuild mm-hmm. through the playoff, mm-hmm. you know, battle. So if we could get another one with Houston, I mean, let's go, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, First game of the season under our belts, one win for us Blazer fans, one more loss for... Can I get some more crow, actually? You want more crow, Sage? It's actually delicious. Mm. It needs more crow. I think the Cajun seasoning is delicious, though. (laughs) Hey, there's people that wanted me to eat that crow, and I am eating it. You know, big ups to Sage. He comes every year. He's a great sport about it. I kid with him because I love, but... On the horizon for the Trailblazers, it's not a, it's not the NFL. It's not one game a week. They've got to fly to Phoenix on Friday for a home and home back to back with the Suns. I mean, Phoenix they took a big L on opening night. They lost 111 to 95 to a Maverick team who I don't think is that great. I think I th- that's the Carlisle effect, personally. I do too, but I think if Portland is really serious about you know quieting the rest of the pundits, they need to take two from Phoenix. So it's a home and away? Yeah, we okay, play okay. at Phoenix on Friday, Halloween night, in PDX. Uh, I've got Portland definitely winning on Halloween night. But I think we will see a lot about this Trailblazer team if they can go into Phoenix and 
a, a city they've really not had a lot of success winning in, and you know, taking that crowd out. Thankfully, it's not their home opener. I'm I'm really thankful that Dallas played Phoenix on opening night in Phoenix. Zeke the other way because as the Pelicans have seen, unfortunately, twice. It's so hard to beat a team yeah. on their home opener, mm-hmm. but for Portland. I think they need to get more from Myers Leonard. He only shot 5 of 12 tonight, 2 of 7 from 3. I think he's going to shoot better. They need a little bit more efficiency from Lillard. He was only 8 of 21 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3. I think that's going to go up. But if they can get that big production, you know, Phoenix doesn't have the bigs. I know Tyson Chandler's defensive, but they don't have bigs that scare me. Yeah, and with the Phoenix offseason, the players that you think have potential and put players you already know what they have. There's no way Tyson Chandler gets significantly better, but Alex Lynn has a chance of getting significantly better. You know, we're looking at Tyson Chandler tonight. He played 17 minutes. He had three points, six rebounds, one block, only took two shots. That, to me, is not... That was their marquee free agent acquisition. Why is he playing only 17 minutes? He only had three fouls. I'm with you. I think they should have been in a transition period playing Alex Lynn more. But when when John Luer with 14 points is your second leading scorer, that that's a red flag right mm-hmm. there. If if Portland can get guys like that, who are you know leading the scores for the Suns, that's gonna you know fare very well for Rip City and Phoenix. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting matchup of guards with uh, with Dame and CJ against uh, Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight. Do really... they start together though? Yeah, yeah. they sure oh, do. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting matchup. It'll be good to see who... Uh, I think foul trouble out. is actually going to be key in Phoenix because we all know Eric Bledsoe likes to get to the rim. CJ needs to stay on the floor. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned to you at the game, I think Coach Stotts is going to stagger Lillard and McCollum. There will never be a time, minus foul trouble, where Lillard or McCollum are not on the floor. Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. It's very smart. So as much as I want to say the Blazers are 3-0... and after this weekend, I think they split in in Phoenix just because it's been so tough for them to win. They're such a young team. I think they win on Saturday, so I think they're going to be two and one. Who's going to guard Damian? You know, I think they're going to either they're going to have to put Bledsoe or Knight. Um, they've got Devin Booker, who they drafted in He's the lottery. He's more of a shooter. He's a shooter. He's not known for his defense. And Ronnie Price, who our guards will just eat up. So if we can get off to a fast start, or even maybe get- PJ Tucker for a few minutes too. Maybe, but then but then you're looking at Aminu, who I know we're not all a huge fan of driving, but if they're going to put a smaller player on him, he could go to work. I don't like him dribbling, man. I I thought he made a couple good decisions tonight. Again, if they're going to put a smaller defender on him, I'll take that matchup all day long. I, I, I don't. I'm trying to be unbiased, but not the best offensive player. No, but he, I think he plays his role well, and... That's what the Trailblazers just got him to. They didn't get him to be an all-star. They got him just to be a nice role player to kind of fill in the void of what Batum gave them. And I think if you have him play, I mean, I think that's going to be a discussion between you and I for the... Yeah. That's going to be the, the whole... Entire kind of, his entire contract, he, he's not, basically. He, he's not a guy that I want having the ball, like, creating his own shot. Mm-hmm. But with what Dustin was saying, I think if you put him against a smaller defender and... You, you think just, he could back, back down... Just uh, put him down low. Eric Bledsoe? I think he could. Yeah, all day. I... I don't know if that's in his arsenal. Where it's you know, and that's one of the fun things about having all these new players is there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to figure out. A lot of new toys. Man. Yeah, a lot of new toys. And well, then and then we've got one extra game before our next podcast. It's actually at Minnesota on Monday. We saw the Wolves. They bought out a 112-111 victory in Los Angeles on opening night. 
I want to say win, but I'm not feeling too good about playing the Wolves. I think they're actually going to surprise people this year, uh, especially early on. They're young, energetic. Rubio had an incredible game. 28 points, 14 assists, one turnover. Again, I don't expect that to happen every night, but that team is young. They're filled with talent and veteran leadership with a guy like Kevin Martin. So I think we're going to take a loss there. I think through four games, the Blazers are going to be a solid 2-2. Two and two. What do you see, Sage? Do you see... How do you uh, defend the Timberwolves? That's my question. Do you sag off on Rubio? I would sag off on Rubio, but 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 they're playing Kevin Martin with him, and you cannot sag yeah, you off him because he gets to the free throw line. And he's a knockdown shooter. We've seen in summer league you cannot double team Carl Anthony Towns as a young player. He has incredible vision, uh, which is just unheard of at this at this stage in his career. So it provides a very unique defensive opportunity for Stotts. We'll see what they do. I think if this was in Portland, Portland wins. Since it's in Minnesota, I'm going with the Timberwolves. You forgot Andrew Wiggins in that whole... He was kind of quiet tonight. Again, I think he's probably going to get 15, 16 points. The guy who really, like I said, worries me is a guy like Kevin Martin. He's always been a blazer killer. And he's efficient. But I'm starting to think that Andrew Wiggins is going to be Rudy Gay on offense with Paul George's defense. We have to plan to stop him because he was the first round pick two years ago. So. I, I think with the Wolves, it starts and stops with Ricky Rubio. I think he's their conductor. I think if Portland can maybe trap him, force him to shoot, take him out of his element, get a couple steals like we saw tonight against the Pelicans, then Portland's going to have a great chance. But if they kind of, if we're taking football terms, if we rush three, mm-hmm. let him operate and don't put any pressure on him, he's going to dissect the defense mm-hmm. and set the tone. We have to set the tone, especially on the road, if we want to come away victorious. So you said two and two? I say two and two. Yeah, I say two and two. I think, uh, you know, optimistic three and one. But uh, for some reason, I'm also not feeling the Minnesota game. I just feel like I'm going three and one. Where do you see the road win at? Mini. Okay, I like it. You know, I would I would love it because I think it's definitely possible. You know, you've got to you have to play extremely well to get wins. But I see it. Yeah. From what I saw with the unselfishness, if they can bring that to Minnesota, I think they'll get the win, and they'll lose to in Phoenix. You know, I I think. That about wraps it up. We talked a whole lot about you know the Blazers Pelicans. Trailblazers are 1-0 on the season after their big 112-94 victory over the Pelicans. Again, they've got the Suns at 7.30 on Friday in Phoenix. They come back to Portland at 7 o'clock on Halloween night. And then on Monday, they're in Minnesota at 5 Pacific time. You can catch all those games. Or you can listen to them on 6.20 a.m., Wheels and Tone get the call, but man, this is going to be a fun season. I know mm-hmm. wins and losses probably aren't going to define what's a successful season, but if we saw what we saw tonight out of this team, I'm going to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be excited for every game. What about you guys? Absolutely. It's going to be an entertaining season. It's going to be fun to see what we have, and you feel like the scenario that we're in, it doesn't certainly doesn't feel like you know something like the 76ers had, where it's just completely devoid of, of any, you know, I, I feel like Damian Lillard in and of himself really kind of raises the level of the team. I think we have a lot of good pieces around him. I don't think it's going to be a dismal season. I think it's... It's star players and culture of the team. You know, and, and we have a star player. And not to jump in, but we were watching the first half of the Sixers-Celtics game, and Sage said, hey, Dustin, can you name the starting five? You know, I go Robert Covington, Nerlens Noel, Julio Okafor. I could not name their backcourt. And then he's like, yeah, it's like Isaiah Cannon and some other guy. I'm Shout like, out to him for having a good game. 
And I was, I could have not told you that. So agreed on Matt's point. We're not just running out just a terrible offense. The 76ers remind me of the team you tank with in 2K but never get that top pick. So you just get you just sim you just, and sim and sim, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're just it's like, like, wait, I, did, I didn't get the first pick in the fantasy draft. Reset, yeah. started over. Exactly. <laughs> so that about even does if it. they get the first pick, they're gonna screw it up. Uh, of course. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully the Blazers have a great year, but also get that first pick <laughs> or second pick. Maybe we'll maybe we'll be like the the team just out of the playoffs with the thirteenth best chance of getting the number one pick, and the odds. Draft gods will smile upon us. Yeah, the basketball gods finally looked down upon us. They said, "With the number one pick, so we can you pick screwed it up with Sam Bowie yeah. and Louis Martin and Greg Oden. Here is your fourth Mulligan. <laughs> uh, we would com- totally love that, but I think that about Simmons PDX. I would love it. Uh, that about wraps it up for us. Don't forget, you can send us your questions on Twitter. Hit us up at Holy Backboard. We're also available via email at holybackboardpdx at gmail.com. You can find this podcast on Stitcher and on SoundCloud at holybackboardpdx. Give us a listen. We love talking to you guys. Shout out to all the people from out of the country listening to us. All of our international listeners. Rip City is universal. And that does it for us here at Holy Backboard live from Portland. I'm Matt. I'm Dustin. I'm Sage. And good, good night, night everybody. everybody. Let's